Hi everyone, and welcome to Season 2 of the Chicago Techies Podcast, a podcast focused on highlighting the voices of Chicago Techies and their experiences. This season, we'll be focusing on students looking to enter or entering the Chicago Tech community. I'm your host, Ceci Fisher-Bernitez. Thank you for joining us. On this week's episode, I am joined by Michelle Ramirez, a rising senior studying data science at the University of Illinois at Chicago and SDE intern at Amazon. Hi, Michelle. It's so nice to meet you. And thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me on this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. Uh, I'm very excited to get to know you uh, and learn more about your career trajectory uh, and your school experience uh, and your transition, you know, as, as you are looking to get into the tech community in the near future. So um, yes, so welcome to the podcast. Uh, let's start. Uh, why don't you start with your name, your pronouns, uh, where you're from, and your current role? Okay, well, thank you so much for having me, Ceci. It's a really great honor to be with you today. Um, so my name is Michelle Ramirez, and I'm currently, and my pronouns are her, hers, and she, um, but I'm currently a rising senior at the University of Illinois at Chicago, um, and I'm based here in Chicago. So um, I'm from this small town called Addison, so that's where I'm from. Awesome. That West Suburbs, right? I think That's West uh, Suburbs. Uh, amazing. So, where where in the West Suburbs did you grow up? Did you grow up in Edison, or did you where did you move there, or where did you go to school, high school as well? Yeah. So initially, well, my parents basically like grew up with my sisters um, in Cicero, so very much in the city. Um, and I was there for a little bit when I was younger, but eventually, as we got older, we moved out to the suburbs. So um, mainly, most of my childhood has been based here in Addison. Um, but yeah, that's basically where I've grown up. And for high school, I went to Addison Trail High School. So that's where the past four years before I went into college have been spent. Awesome. Yeah, I'm familiar with Addison because I went to West Chicago Community High School, which is more oh. West suburbs. And I played soccer and we played Addison every now and then at championships and leagues. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah, I did swimming. So I remember like going to your high school too for like competitions and stuff. That's awesome. Well, <laughs> how was your high school experience? You know, did you, is that kind of where you started to learn more about potential careers for the future or um, or tell me about your your high school, you know, like your thoughts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So I think when I was in high school, I was a little bit intense. I was definitely one of those kids that just tries to go all out um, and get ready for application season for college. Um, but I was always I always saw myself as a highly motivated individual. But I actually did not know about computer science or the field or what it encompassed. Um, so initially throughout high school, I had ideas of going into med school and becoming a doctor or a surgeon. Um, so technology wasn't even on my radar at all. I think until senior year, which was when I began applying to different colleges um, and I started like considering engineering, more specifically biomedical engineering, um, since I figured that kind of like bridged the pathway between med school, but also, I guess, like a more mathematical type of field that I wanted to go into. Um, so I think that was the first time where I really like started transitioning over into like a more engineering focused career. That's amazing. I feel like when I was in high school, the, I mean, you know how you grow up and you say, I want to be a doctor. No, I want to yeah. be a doctor, all of that. I 
by the time that I was high school, I realized that one, I was never going to become a med doctor. <laughs> and uh, two, maybe teacher, but you know, but uh, uh-huh. I, I am impressed that you were, you know, that you were still considering like med school and, and even my biomedical engineering, you know, that's, that's awesome. I think I, my, I think personally, my, my bar, my own bar was way too low. <laughs> <laughs> so, we all have we all have our different standards and stuff so yeah I know so when you you know obviously you were applying to school you decided <laughs> to go to USC right that's the yes. school you went to um, yep. when did you decide to make a decision about your major um well I guess when I got the offer so I had actually applied mainly um, when I was going through like the common app they give you like the list of choices Um, And I don't really know how I ended up with biomedical engineering since it wasn't kind of like, like, I don't think I really realized that that's what I was going to be doing until like when I was filling out the application. Um, And even then, I still kind of had no idea what it really encompassed. But I think like once I started applying to schools and you're taking a look at their program pages, I thought that it was a really good like intersection um, of being able to like want to help people out, um, but also like at the same time creating and using math every day in your life. Um, So that's something that I think really went into my decision. Yeah, I hated math. Math was (laughs) not for me. I, I just did not want to do anything remotely close to math. Um, yeah. So whenever I hear, you know, there's been a couple of, of guests that I've talked to that I that just love math and science and that's what <laughs> they wanted to do. And I'm like, yeah, we're so different. <laughs> no, <laughs> well, like, <laughs> oh, well, like initially I hated math too. So I think like freshman year, I took my geometry class and I would always feel like I was always falling behind everyone else. Um, even like, because we did like this flipped classroom thing. So you would take notes at home, but do homework like in class. Um, and I think like there, like, I think we're all familiar with like imposter syndrome, but I feel like that's where it first started, like kind of developing um, because I would just notice that I would fall behind a lot. And I would like frequently like ask my friends for help and stuff. Um, But I think once I got to like my senior year, I ended up taking uh, BC calculus. And I think there is when I really like started putting in the effort and I realized, oh, okay, maybe I can do this. And maybe it's not as bad as I thought it was. (laughs) So (laughs) yeah, fair. So um, you are now a senior, you're going to start your senior year in in college, right? So for the first I guess I'm going to take you back like the last three years, you know, when, when you, when you first set foot at UIC, um, what was, you know, kind of like your, how, how did you deal with your first year and second year? Like, let's say like, were you still kind of like, no, this is what I want to do. I want to go into like engineering or did you have any doubts? Like how was your experience, I guess, in the first couple of years before deciding that this is the path I want to go? Yeah. So I still remember walking into my very first engineering class, which was bioengineering 101. Um, And I remember walking in and there was like a whole group. Well, it was like it wasn't a large class, but it wasn't small either. Um, But I just remember feeling like I really did not like belong at all, which was, again, that imposter syndrome showing up. 
Um, I think eventually one of my friends was in that class as well. So we just worked on projects together. But even then, whenever it came to like coding or programming, um, even though it wasn't, even if it wasn't like a really big part of the project, I still felt like I was falling behind a lot and I would panic by like comparing myself to other people. Um, but then eventually, I don't know, like, I think you just kind of get used, not used to it, but I think you really like, once you start completing more projects and gaining more experience and learning more, um, it just kind of adds to, oh, okay, maybe I can do this after all. Um, but I actually didn't end up staying as a biomedical engineer. Um, so I recently just transferred over into a new major that our school is offering. So I'm now officially a data science major. Um, and it really came down to um, after my first year. So after my freshman year in the summer, um, I, I forgot. I was listening to a podcast, actually. <laughs> but I was I remember um, it was using like artificial intelligence specifically for wildlife conservation or just like environmental conservation. Um, but I heard that one of the professors was actually at our school. So I reached out to her and tried to see if I could get involved in her research. Um, and I think that was really like the first stepping stone that really was like, oh, okay, like this is a viable field that I'm actually interested in and I really like it and want to grow. So um, I think that was the first like pivot where I started moving in and leaning into the computer science aspect of it. Yeah. So with, and pardon my ignorance, because I'm also not super familiar with like data science and mm -hmm. if there is programming involved. So I know that you mentioned that you took, obviously some, there was some programming involved in some classes. So I know that R is a language that is mostly used around data, data analytics. So tell me about that experience. Like what are your, the programs that you're using, the, the, the languages that you're learning and stuff that, that kind of complement your data science background? Yeah. So initially, like the very first introduction that I had to coding was in my bioengineering classes. Um, and that was mainly using MATLAB. So it's kind of like Python almost, um, just with a couple of different quirks here and there. Um, but my first like actual where I was like really like thrown into like programming um, was my research experience. So I was doing a lot of programming in Python there. Um, but other than that, ever since then, so yeah, like you said, like a lot of data science, I think a lot of people like don't really realize how much programming there actually is in data science. Um, because a lot of the times, yeah, it is like generating like statistics and numerical analyses. Um, but I really like to have like a strong background in programming. So that's what I kind of like focused on as well. So I think a lot of the times we're using, like you said, R, we're also using MATLAB, Python, um, SAS, SQL, all those kinds of programs. So um, just kind of like being able to learn and get better, even if it's just like in one language, I think it definitely helps um, learning or picking up different kinds of languages as well. Yeah, that's that's super cool. I, I didn't really know much. I'm one of those people that doesn't know much about how much programming goes into data science. So, but I am familiar with some you know coding languages, and I know that R is one, and another Python is one, and SQ. I'm familiar with all those. Um, have you been involved at all with any kind of like outside groups outside of UIC that are um, 
Pie Ladies is one of them that one of my friends, Lorena Mesa, actually like is an organizer for the mm-hmm. Chicago chapter. But there's a lot of different organizations that focus on that if you are interested in learning more about that. Oh, that's very cool. No, I actually hadn't heard of these. So I will make sure to check them out and see. Yeah. I'll give you some links, but um, okay, I guess yes, there's, there's a really good community here. I think um, for, you know, especially for, for women in data. And I know there's a couple of people that are heavily involved with, with organization mm-hmm. and stuff for that kind of stuff. So um, now I'm curious about involve, like your involvement with any potential groups at the university level. Like, are there any programs that you've utilized uh, as a student at UIC that kind of has helped you, you know, shape your vision kind of to what you want to do next and where you're headed and, you know, in your future and stuff? Yeah. So um, one of the groups that we have at UIC is Women in Computer Science, or as we know them, WICS. Um, But they're generally kind of like my go-to for learning more about different career opportunities. Um, but also just like having a really good network at UIC to chat with and just like kind of it helps to know when you're like in the community or like when you're with someone else as you're like progressing throughout your career. Um, but a lot of the times they are like one of my go to's for getting resources on different types of things. Um, and I know we have like the Grace Hopper conference that our school makes a pretty big deal of like attending. Um, so a lot of the times we do like interview prep and like sessions with them as well. I am super familiar with Grace Hopper. I, so I also actually forgot to mention, I also lead the, the Anita B chapter for Chicago um, oh. with a couple of colleagues. And we, you know, we, I have gone to Grace Hopper for the last three years, I want to say, um, <laughs> as a, you know, because we get uh, complimentary tickets as leaders and um, they, we went to, I went to the one in Houston and then I, and then I went to the one in Orlando and yeah. I just had so much fun. Like it's refreshing to see so much like talent, so many women that are like in the industry uh, and students, you know, that are looking to thrive, you know, in the near yeah. future. Um, so I, I actually, um, I've talked to a couple of people from, uh, from UIC already. Um, and there, and I, I heard that they put a lot of emphasis, a big emphasis on the, on that. Yeah. Um, I wish I could have gone in person because I think it would just be, because they all like go in like a little group too. So I really wish I would have been able to go in person. Yeah. Most, most, um, universities do that. And I actually saw that group there, uh, in the Orlando. Oh, I saw that they were all wearing yeah. UIC hoodies. But, <laughs> <laughs> um, I, hopefully you'll get to go. I mean, I don't know if it'll happen this year because yeah. of that, but maybe, you know, <laughs> Hey, maybe you can, you can volunteer with us and you oh. can, uh, yeah, you should. Yeah. I'm, gonna start, I'm, I'm happy to recruit you and help because we, we are going to be needing more help. We're going to be getting more, uh, we're going to need some volunteers from Chicago to help lead the chapters in the near future. Oh, that's interested we'll talk after this (laughs) now um, speaking of resources that are available for you at UIC I am curious about um, your access to mentorship you know and obviously like we all have mentors you know at one point in our lives we just don't sometimes we don't know how to navigate those and and, yeah and how to how to talk to people really sometimes because it's hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what has been your experience, you know, kind of, you know, when, when you're looking to kind of find a mentor or develop those relationships with mentors, uh, how have you navigated that? Yeah. So I think, well, one of the, I think one of the most like obvious and like easiest ways to like get access to mentorship is to just like talk to your professors. 
Um, I know like even virtually last year for my data structures and algorithms class, um, I would a lot of the times go into my professor's office hours and just like ask him for help. Um, but even then, as like I started like approaching the Grace Hopper conference, I would ask him questions on like technical interviews and stuff. Um, and he would mainly like just give me a lot of helpful advice. But I think professors are a really good source of mentorship, especially since, you know, they have already an established network and they have so many opportunities um, and they've kind of like seen it all, basically. Um, so I think that they're really like a, a really great source to go to and try to get mentorship through. Um, but for me personally, I think my biggest source of mentorship has been my research professor. Um, so that's Dr. Tanya Berger-Wolf. So she, um, like I said, she's, she was my first research experience and I've been with her for almost three years now. And she's just an incredible woman and just being able to like see her do her thing and be in data science and be such a prominent figure um, has been really inspiring. And a lot of the times, um, whenever I have like any doubts or something, she's usually the one to tell me about her experiences and mm -hmm. she's, it's, it's just a really good source of mentorship, but, um, I don't know. She's, she's so cool because, um, uh, <laughs> this is kind of like going off tangent a little bit. Um, but when I first joined her lab and when we were like, you know, not in this COVID session, um, she would travel a lot. So I think that's why I really like saw the appeal in data science as well, because I got to see um, firsthand like what her job was really like. So she would be traveling to Kenya or Germany and just like doing <laughs> casually. Yeah, like she'd be like, oh, I'm out of the office for two weeks, but I'll be back. I'm going to Kenya or something. Um, and I'm like, I want that kind of lifestyle in the future. So it's just like, really inspiring to be able to like see from her and just learn from her and also be able to like provide research for her. Um, so I think mentorship, I think that's like one of the opportunities that really has opened my eyes to like how valuable mentorship is, mm -hmm. um, particularly because as a woman in computer science or data science, it's really hard to kind of like navigate the field and try to like network and everything. So just having someone else looking out for you and providing you with opportunities um, to engage at really helps out. Yeah, I love that. I mean, I think it's definitely the organic way, you know, when you're in school to to, mm -hmm. to kind of go to your teachers and, and professors. So, uh, and I mean, it sounds like she has a great lifestyle. <laughs> and traveling, uh, very cultured. That's awesome. So uh, from, from the looks of your LinkedIn, you know, I just yeah. talked to you. Um, I, I saw that you have internship experience. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to get your experience uh, on how you went about finding those internships uh, and how did you realize that they were very important to your development and your career? Yeah, so I think like one of the biggest kind of like sources where you like hear about this stuff is obviously like the students around you, um, your peers. So everyone's kind of like buzzing around for an internship and just kind of like talking about it throughout like the school year. Um, but like as I transferred, as I mentioned, I was a bioengineering major. So when I transferred over into a more computer science focused degree, I was like, okay, well, I should probably get some experience. Um, but I didn't really know when. So the thing is with a lot of like tech internships, you have to start applying in August, September. That's typically recruiting season. Um, and that's something that I like thought 
like I never knew of really, um, because I figured you could just, if you're looking for a summer internship, you would apply more towards like the summer. Um, but that was not the case. So I think one of the biggest like resources that really helped me in like navigating how to actually get an internship um, was my school network, I would say. So I mentioned Wix before, but um, the first time that I went to Grace Hopper conference was actually when I landed my internship. So just being able to access the resources that UIC had, so like setting up mock interviews and um, working with the career center to try to like practice and review your resume and everything like that um, was definitely like a really good way of like learning more about how to like get the entry point to these types of internships. Um, And eventually I landed one and I've been interning with Amazon this summer, so that's awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> Amazon is a pretty big name. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I love that you, you know, give give props to the university. Obviously, that's very well, uh, well deserved. Mm-hmm. I feel like there are so many. Uh, I, I mean, I've talked to a few women that, be, you know, that are part of the Latino community, right, that are just not super because they, they're the first generation, you know, yeah. and they don't know that how important like internships are and when to mm-hmm. apply. And, you know, sometimes sometimes your family gets in the way, too, because mm-hmm. for for some of the people that I talked to, their family was like, no, you only you don't work. You only focus in school. That's what you're yeah. going to school for. And I think that's a big misconception that we need to address because, Parents don't know that, you know, like the, 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 that's not necessarily the best advice. Like, you know, you, mm-hmm. you do need to work. You do need to have that experience over the summer or, you know, um, but they expect you to just like do school only yeah. and when you come home, you can work at your local store or whatever, but that's not <laughs> no, yeah. how it works. Yeah. That's um, definitely, um, if I can like chime in here. For yeah, please. <laughs> um, but that's definitely something I feel like Um, I don't know if I am considered first generation. Well, but my parents are like, they came from Mexico to give us like, you know, a better future. Um, But so I have two older sisters. So I've kind of like seen them go through the university process and getting a career and everything. Um, But I'm the first one in my family to actually pursue a career in technology. So a lot of this stuff was really new for me. So just like navigating it was a little hard. Um, without the resources, I would imagine would be harder. Um, but yeah, like you said, like when I first told my parents that I got the internship at Amazon, they were like, congratulations, but it wasn't necessarily like a, like, I don't really know how much effort it took, if that makes sense. Like they were yeah, still like, happy. because they don't understand, you know, like, and, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I think that's, that is really, that is when it becomes a responsibility to explain, you know, to yeah. like, to let them know that all their hard work and all their sacrifices are paying off now. And yeah, that, it's like, and, look, here I am. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's awesome. I love that. I, I think it's, it's super important to have these types of conversations with our parents for sure. Uh, my mom is still to this day has no idea what I do, but that's yeah. fair. That's fine. <laughs> you know, like she just knows that I I'm doing really well and you know, that, you know, we're, I'm happy. Like that's all really yeah. that they care about all day for, for what I remember, you know, in my conversations with my parents growing mm-hmm. up and, and the yelling matches, um, <laughs> they just didn't want to, wanted me to end up in their shoes because they've suffered yeah. a lot, you know, they, you mm-hmm. know, manual hard work labor that they just didn't want that for their children. And I think that's now it really becomes our responsibility to do better um, because of those sacrifices that they were doing for us. So 
Um, yeah. I love that. This is some, always something that I like to reflect on when I talk to someone <laughs> about their, 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 their immigrant story or their parents' immigrant story. Yeah. So. No, um, even um even like my dad um sorry to interrupt <laughs> um but even like my dad the other day I was I was because I'm working from home right now um for Amazon but he knew he knows of what Amazon is but the other day he was like so what do you actually do mm-hmm. <laughs> and I'm like oh I build like web pages and stuff but it's like I don't know, like it gets hard explaining, I think, but they're, they're slowly getting it now. <laughs> yeah, you should, you should actually do like at the end of it, I, this is just like my, you know, I would do something like this. Um, I would like put together like a PowerPoint and then share, like share to share with them. Like, yeah, so this is what I do. This is what I built. And this is how it's being used in the real world. This is like, you know, this is what I, um, this is what I, my day-to-day looks like um, so that they can kind of get a little glimpse of your world. You know, I think that would be really uh, cool. <laughs> that would be really cool. Just like an intern presentation, but for, right. but for your parents, something that you yeah. can make it fun and quirky. Mm-hmm. Um, so um as far as like you know motivation I feel like there's a lot going on around us Mm -hmm. obviously with the pandemic and with you know you're probably you have a lot of like quehaceres at home too you know like things to do that your mom tells you what to do um and you know still being a student and whatnot like I feel like there is a lot of distractions around you you know besides your work and and your school and then there's life how Mm -hmm. do you stay motivated Yeah. So sometimes it gets a little hard just because it's not like immediately, like you can't visibly see something like tangible because there's so much like up in the air, especially right now. So I feel like a lot of the times I end up like changing my mind of what I want to end up doing. Um, But I don't know. I feel like just having like a vision of like where you eventually want to see yourself end up is really helpful for me, especially when it's like those long days um, and I'm doing homework or I'm like working or something and I'm just like ready to like throw the throw the towel in and call it a day. Um, I think a lot of it is just like seeing other people's stories too is really like inspiring and being able to see like what kinds of careers they're pursuing and where they're going in life, I think is really helpful. Um, And being kind of like, oh, that's what I eventually want to work for, or like, that's what I eventually want to do. So I think a lot of the times it's more like just being able to get inspiration from other people. Um, But yeah, like you said, it it does get kind of hard, like balancing it. Um, I don't know. I feel like especially like when we went back, obviously we had to like transition to a remote platform and like have school be virtual and everyone just be home for quite a bit. Um, So I think that first transition period was kind of like a learning task, um, especially because I live at home with quite a big family. So a lot of the times whenever I had meetings or something, I'd be like, oh, I have a meeting, no one talk. Um, So it's just like really funny to see how like we've adjusted and everything. Um, But I think like just being able to be home has made me appreciate having my family in my life, Um, especially because a lot of times I do get, I tend to get bogged down in my study work and just kind of like focus on that. Um, so just having them and being able to like take little breaks in between definitely helps me stay motivated and not burn out so quickly. No, yeah, I absolutely agree. I mean, it was it was a whole shift, you know, with the pandemic mm-hmm. uh, and adjusting to things and working from home. I, you know, it's funny because when the pandemic started, 
I actually had, um, was unemployed and I found uh, my job. I started my job in June. I was laid off back mm-hmm. in December before the pandemic, but oh. I was already like at two like final stage interviews in March, like that week okay. of March. Yeah. And then it shut down. And then they told me, never mind. Like we can't, we're, we're in a hiring oh. freeze. So I basically went almost six months with like unemployed until June. Uh, that's mm-hmm. when I found my job at Code for America because I was at Code for America for a year, for almost a year before I, I transitioned to to full time in Latinas in Tech. Um, but I remember just explaining to my parents that mm-hmm. I I am now going to be working from home forever, <laughs> not forever, but you know for yeah. at least because because Code for America is based in San Francisco, but they're but they're remote. They have they're very remote friendly. Oh. I got a job there, mm-hmm. and I told them like. Oh yeah, my company is in San Francisco, but I'm gonna be working from Chicago in my yeah. house. And they're like, "How did they take it? How does that work?" <laughs> <laughs> I mean, obviously, my they don't really like quite understand anyway what, what I was doing. And they're just yeah. like, "Okay, well, as long as you're you're happy and making money, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like spending for yourself, you know, and we're good." <laughs> yeah, we're like that's that's cool. I mean, I guess like when are you gonna go to an office? And I'm like, well, if I get a co-working space, then I'll go to an office. Yeah. Um, but uh, she's like, do they want you to go to San Francisco? I'm like, no, no, no. They don't want me to move. I, you know, I'm <laughs> like, are you going to go to San Francisco? There were just so many questions. Um, like, where are you going? Were yeah. those six months scary for you? Yes. Very scary. Um, obviously the first, you know, like I actually was really excited when I, when I left my old job, like when I was laid <laughs> off, I was like, yeah. you know, I'm going to take my time. I have enough saved. I'll be okay to just mm-hmm. in three months, I'll find something. And so I was pretty chill, like all of January, like, ah, oh, this is going to be fine. And then yeah. February, I'm like, okay, time to stick, start like interviewing and whatnot. And, yeah. um, and then I started interviewing in February and then I had, I was supposed to get two offers, you know, like that yeah. first week of May, of March, but because my, I thought like my, like my, they were, they went great. And yeah. I had it, I was just had to decide which one. Um, and when, everyone else can go home. <laughs> I know. And then that was like literally the Thursday, my, my Thursday before, you know, like that Friday Chicago shut down. Yeah. Oh, so my, yeah. my last interview was that Thursday. And then Friday shut down everything and then by Monday when I was hoping to get an answer like or an offer it was like it was like radio silence and then I was starting to get a little like nervous because I'm like okay maybe this pandemic has something to do this like this this thing this COVID thing is having something to do with it we didn't know it was a pandemic yet Mm -hmm. and uh and I was like well maybe like next week next week for sure and mm-hmm. next week came and then like it got worse. And, you know, then we started hearing hiring freezes, hiring oh, freezes. Yeah. So, and everyone started freaking out. Right. That's when, and that's when I heard from both, both of those organizations and they're like, I'm, we're so sorry. Like oh. we're, we're put, being put on a hiring freeze. So I can't, we can't offer anything right mm-hmm. now. I was devastated because that meant now that I was, back to square one and um I had stopped really interviewing elsewhere so then I because then they all went in the hiring freeze um but quickly after I think the month after like a couple of weeks after I was so sad after a couple of weeks then I was started looking again for different places that might be still hiring 
And that's when I came across um, Code for America, like through Tequeria, actually, through a post. Um, they were hiring, they were looking for a senior software engineer. Um, but then I just kind of, I always click on the organizations that are hiring anyway and yeah. like, look up through the roles. And that's how I found, I'm like, what is Code for America? This sounds interesting. <laughs> and then I found this whole world and I fell in love with it. But it was really difficult. Um, I, you know, everybody at one point will go, maybe may go through it. And it was just, um, it, but I just kept, kind of kept my cool. And I'm like, you know what? I'll be fine. I'll be fine. Like, I'll be fine. Yeah. I think that really helps too. And then I think just like having like a kind of like a sense of like everything will turn out okay or something is meant to be, you know, I think a lot of the times helps as well. Yeah. Okay. So transitioning back to you. (laughs) I agree, but back to you. Um, What, like, so what has been the most challenging thing about your, you know, your, maybe your college experience and then transitioning to this career like path that you'll be done with school soon and you'll be, you know, mm-hmm. work, you'll be going entering, entering the workforce to this date, I guess, whether it's a college challenge or internship challenge, whatever you want to share, what has been the most challenging for you? The most challenging is trying to like settle down on like what exactly I want to do. Um, particularly because I feel like the tech field is just so expansive and there's so many different like subcategories that you could go into. Like, I'm someone who tends to be like, okay, this is what I want to do like for two days and then all of a sudden like change my mind. Um, but I think just like trying to like settle down on a specific like career trajectory or like try to go into a specific subdivision of technology um, is something that's particularly a challenge for me. So just my main indecisiveness, I think. Um, but also, I don't know, I feel like a lot of the times when you're applying for different categories, um, it gets kind of hard to just like go through so much rejection, I think, Mm -hmm. and just kind of like not take it to heart. Um, especially when you think you have like the qualifications and everything and then turns out there was like someone better for the role Um, so just like I think being staying resilient throughout the whole process and like keep going and like actually like gathering the energy to pick yourself back up and start applying again and start looking um, I think sometimes gets a little challenging yeah, I think that has been a pattern that I'm seeing with with a lot of like the early career students you know that are looking mm-hmm. to transition I think they've mentioned how that application experiences for either internships or their first entry-level role is just draining because of all the, you know, because of all the rejection. And to be honest, I feel like for, you know, for people that are in the industry, when they're looking to do a a shift and and go somewhere else, I think they they face a similar thing. The whole recruiting process is just really difficult, right? Like it's just, uh, uh, it's never really like a, it's never an easy path. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, I, I kind of want to touch really quickly on what you noted about, you know, the challenges that you face when you, with your switching your mind and, and where you want to see yourself. I feel like that's completely normal. Um, I don't think you should uh, be what, you know, be so focused on, on choosing one thing and sticking with yeah. it. I think you can, you know, you're in your prime time to be able to make different changes <laughs> whenever you want to. Like you are, you should... You're, I think you should try things. And if you see that they're not working for you, then change it because you're still at that point where you can. And honestly, you can always reinvent yourself. Like that's not, yeah. that is not limited to only when you're in college. Like 
I used to be in education. I, I worked at a high school for five years before I even transitioned to tech. And when I transitioned to tech, I'm not even in a technical role. I started in customer service and then I went to onboarding for software engineering. Like what? You know, it's just, <laughs> and now I'm in program management for like Latinas in tech and doing yeah. and like the, and, and now, you know, I want to really focus on this path of DEI and like what is diversity, equity, and inclusion and how do we do better like at different companies. So don't feel so bad about that. I think if anything, make your mind, you know, like make, change your mind more. As much as I can. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly. I feel like the more like you, the more diverse your experiences are, I feel like eventually they all kind of like feed in or like they're, they're more like interlocking or something like that. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, seriously, you are at a, a perfect time to make changes and redesign yourself and reinvent yourself and decode yourself as many times as you want. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That's reassuring to hear. Yeah. So uh, I'm curious to hear about your experience with like representation, you know, as a, as a woman of color, you know, as a student yeah. of color, uh, how has been your experience navigating through 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 college and through your early career you know as far as representation goes like uh, people around you how are you feeling yeah um so that's definitely something that I think was kind of hard to process a little bit at first especially since you don't really see yourself um a lot of the times the tech community is notorious for having this but you don't really see a lot of latinas in stem um and a lot of the times in my classes they're 200 person classes you don't really see um even then a lot of latinas in there and i go to a very diverse school so i would expect a lot more but even then it's still very limited so um a lot of the times it does get kind of like lonely I would say just because you don't you like a lot of times I do wish that I had someone like me so I could share my experiences or they would understand my narrative a little bit better um but when you do find those people it's kind of like you run to them and you're like I am going to be your friend (laughs) (laughs) so like even then like also like throughout like the Latinas and Thai community um it's like really refreshing attending their events just because Um, you're provided with a whole platform of Latinas that are doing the same thing as you and you can like share your experiences. So it's really refreshing to be able to just have like a community that can listen to you and understand you without having to like explain yourself or feel weird about your experiences. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that low-key shout out to Latinas in tech, Um, (laughs) but I I think definitely, I think those those communities are super important, you know, for for representation and for, Mm -hmm. uh, and just for, I don't know, giving us confidence that there are others like us, maybe not yeah. in our city, maybe not in our classroom, but at least they're out there and they're doing the same type of work that we're doing. So I, I love that. And I appreciate you. <laughs> yeah. And then if I could just like add on a little bit, yeah. um, it just like helps being able to like, I think one of the events that Latinas in Tech organized was like um, meeting Latinas at, that were working at Google. Um, and I think like when I was, I think when I attended that event, just being able to see like a whole panel of Latinas that are software engineers just is really like, oh my God. Okay. So they look like me. Um, I can definitely like do that. I can share some of the experiences, um, but it's just very motivating to be able to like see them and be like, that's what I want to be in the future. I love that. I moderate that panel. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> really? <laughs> that was me. Yeah, I, I was moderating that panel, uh, and my best friend uh, Jimena was part of that panel. Oh, uh, and, yeah, and my friend Mika, and like uh, people that I know, uh, people in my that in my network. We were. I was. I was the moderator for that. I'm so glad you enjoyed it. Yay! <laughs> no, yeah, I remember. I was like rushing because I think I just finished like working out or something. I'm like, I cannot be late to this. I have to attend this. Um, but it was a really good event. So thank you for moderating that. Yeah, of course. And feel free to please, you know, share um, the, the chapter, you know, to other Latinas and share that in that Latinas in Tech U- uh, University initiative. I think there's there's a lot. Definitely representation matters. It really does. Um, yeah. To empower, you know, school like students that are the two that uh, they can keep going and they can reach their goals. I think that's mm-hmm. super important. So what excites you more about, you know, ending your senior year career and then transitioning to the to the real world if you will um <laughs> and joining you know starting your career in data science like what are you so excited about yeah so i'm really excited to just actually for one just have time to myself outside of like the weekdays and not be studying or like continuously doing homework um and pulling all nighters but other than that Um, What most excites me, I would say, is like being able to like finally contribute to like the tech community in like a much more, a much bigger way. Um, But particularly what I want to go into is artificial intelligence and machine learning. Um, So hopefully looking into that. Um, But yeah, I would just say like being able to contribute and being able to be a part of a much larger community um, and just keep learning throughout my career, even if I'm not in school. Um, A lot of times companies or laboratories where you choose to work have a lot of like knowledge sharing sessions or different kinds of invites where you can go and network with other individuals. But I would say just being able to like contribute something, create something that I've learned (laughs) yeah I love that I think that's um that's super valid you know that's something that you're feeling it feels like a sense of accomplishment that you know now you're going to be contributing to something powerful Mm -hmm. um that's that's great and also it's always great when you have more time to yourself yeah (laughs) but you actually pick up a book that you want to read as a hobby and not an assignment yeah. Now this question kind of goes line, line, like hand in hand with that, but um, yeah. what are some of your goals for the future? Um, I don't know. I have, I feel like I'm very ambitious. Um, and so I kind of have like a bunch of different goals. So right now I really want to go and pursue my PhD just because eventually I do see myself like in a mentorship position or like being able to like get back through teaching or some sort of mentorship. Um, So eventually being able to get my PhD and just be a professor and also help out like other students navigate through this like career lifestyle. Um, But also just being able to like do research on my own. I think I really like the idea of having like a research lab and exploring concepts in artificial intelligence So hopefully that's where I will end up. I kind of want to like start leaning more into like an advocate side, um, kind of like advocating for, you know, visualizing Latinas in STEM um, and really like advocating for the representation. Um, So there were a couple of like programs that I was looking into, but 
I think mainly what I want to be able to like contribute or some of like my goals um, as far as my career is concerned is just being able to develop for humanity or just for good, just being able to develop for good um, and code different applications to help solve some of our most like um, challenging concepts that we have at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I would recommend you checking out Code for America. Um, yeah, I was going to ask you what that exactly was, but if you want, we can take it after. Yeah, we'll, we'll take it outside, but it's, it's, it is civic tech. It is coding for good. It is doing mm-hmm. a lot of things for good. So you should definitely check that out. Well, I'll, I'll tell you more about their fellowship programs too for, for okay. uh, recent grads, but uh, <laughs> that's awesome. I, I, I love hearing that when you have, you know, that you want to, I think we all start with that dream. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) wanting to change the world, and we all are in our own ways. I think Mm -hmm. we all have um, that those paths still alive. Um, So I I love that you're you're passionate about making a difference. I I know that you're still you know a senior and you're finishing up, but but if you had one piece of advice to share with either other students or other entry entry level like you know folks that are looking to to begin their careers, um, what is that piece of advice you would share? Yeah, so I think it kind of goes in like two ways, but um, the first piece of advice would be to find a mentor, especially if you're like early in your career field. Um, I think a lot of the times you really benefit from having someone who's already been through it and just being able to like hear their experience and having them guide you through what can be a complicated process um, in terms of like gathering experience or pursuing different Um, career avenues Um, but also just like really focus on the community around you I would say Um, whether that be your like peers or your fellow students in your class your friends um, and even your family I think they're all I mean we're all people and I think after the pandemic I think we've all kind of like gathered a newfound sense of appreciation for the people in our lives Um, so just remember to like take different breaks throughout like your study sessions that you do at school. Um, But really take the time to slow down and appreciate the people around you, I would say, Um, because a lot of the times that will definitely help you keep going. Um, And yeah, as I said, just get involved, be on camp, be like participate in campus organizations, um, stuff like that. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. That is very important advice. I, I think I oftentimes, we we all oftentimes have to remind ourselves to breathe and to yeah. slow down and really d- do stop to appreciate one another and what we bring to the table, especially when it's your family as well. Like, you know, like everything yeah. changes in the blink of an eye. I mean, obviously we're going through this pandemic right now and mm-hmm. some of us lost people that we care for. So yeah, I, I think it's super important to, to really just slow down and, uh, and be patient with yourself, be patient with your family, appreciate your family and whatnot. So I love that. Yeah. <laughs> um, now for anyone that might want to connect with you, you know, whether that's like social media or LinkedIn, like what, where's the best, the best place to reach you? Um, if you want to share any kind of links. <laughs> yeah. Um, well, I guess I do have LinkedIn. So if you want to connect with me, I'm on there as well. It's just Michelle Ramirez. Um, but I also have Instagram, although I've been kind of like on like a social media cleanse, I don't really go on there too much. So I would say, yeah, either, either one of those two, so, um, LinkedIn or, um, Instagram would work. 
<laughs> send me the links and I will make sure to add them to the show notes so that people have access to them. Well, thank you so much again, Michelle. This has been super lovely. Thank you so much for joining me in the podcast. I really appreciate it. And I know that you're going to do great things. Uh, I am excited to see the rest of your career and where you go. Uh, but please, please keep in touch. And thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be on here. All right. Well, we'll talk soon. Okay. Yes. <laughs> right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of the Chicago Techies podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to subscribe, share, and leave a review on iTunes. Let's continue the conversation on Twitter and Instagram. Follow us at Chicago Techies on all social media channels. Thank you again, and we'll see you in two weeks.